powerful and intriguing tips and tricks for speakers by speakers. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast with your hosts, Robert Ferguson and Sarah Jo Crawford. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast. I'm Robert. And I'm Sarah Jo. And today we're going to talk about uh, website marketing for speakers. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Well, this is clearly your area of expertise, Sarah Jo. So let's, uh, let's start. What's the beginning? Where do we start? Oh my gosh, I could talk forever. Actually, I'm building a course right now on this very topic. So you've been saying we're, what did you say, surfing the top of the waves? Yeah. Um, it's very difficult for me. So <laughs> you're going to keep me at bay today. Um, and we're going to try to go over some of the most important things, knowing you can go so much deeper. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll keep us on track. So where, where do we start? We start with what, uh, the name of your site? Yeah. So there's two big questions you kind of have to ask yourself. If you already have a website, these are good to reflect on. But if you're definitely just getting started, first thing you have to decide is your domain name. And this can soak up so much time and it doesn't need to. So one of the first train of thought is, oh, I'll name it after my business name. Now, that is not the best way to go. And here's why, my friend. Okay. (laughs) People are searching for you. It's as a speaker, you need to advocate for yourself and not the business name that, you know, may have been applicable four years ago. Yeah. So pick a domain name. If you can use your name, if you can get robertferguson.com, that's a deal ideal, but there's also lots of other ways to do it. Um, Stan Phelps does stanphelpsspeaks.com. It helps with SEO and it drives home the point of what you do or joelgoldbergmedia.com. You can get pretty creative. So Sarah, Joe, here's a question is, uh, I like the idea. If you've got a really strange name, chances are you can buy the URL, but can anyone Mm -hmm. spell it? Yes, that's another. I think it's Gary Vaynerchuk. He just is GaryV.com. So you can you can still work around it if of uh, if it's hard to spell. Yes, actually, I have a client, Tracy Gritz, who so she spells it T R A C E Y, but she also bought the domain that spells it differently without the E uh. to cover and redirects it. So there's a lot of creative ways you can go about this, but if you can get your name. Another question, and I won't go too deep in this. If you can get the .com, get the .com. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll leave it at that. So they, they got their name, but now what do they do with it? Okay. So this is a fun part. Now it's time to decide if you're going to do it yourself or you're going to hire somebody. If you're just getting started, doing it yourself can be a good option. Hmm. However, Robert, for you example, how comfortable would you feel building a website? Well, I turned to my wife to help with that. <laughs> I can't do <laughs> that it. That definitely helps. Yes. But so if you if you feel comfortable, there's lots of cool stuff like Squarespace, Wix. What are some of the others? Uh, Squarespace. So um, there's GoDaddy. There, mm-hmm. There's uh, well, you could also look. I I use WordPress, and I had. Somebody mm-hmm. set it up for me and they loaded on a template and then they built it. And then I, I learned how to use WordPress. So they basically sure. taught me how to use the tools. I know somebody else who uses Joomla. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you recommend? So if you are just getting started um, and you don't have a lot of, if, you're, if your time's not worth much 
I'd recommend Squarespace or any of those, what they're called drag and drop builders. So you can move pieces around by dragging and dropping them. If your time's still not worth much, but you want to learn how to build a website, WordPress is a great next step. It's actually more complicated. Like you mentioned it, you still have to have someone teach you how to use it. Mm-hmm. It's not the most intuitive. And then the, the next step is to go to a developer. And there's a whole realm of different kinds of developers. But something you should look for is something that's cost responsible. So you're not putting more money in it than is responsible for you in your stage of your business, but then also getting somebody who understands your industry. So they will build a website, ideally build it in a way that you can use it later. So they're going to cost more in, you know, the actual money side of things. But if your time is worth more, if you're getting a higher speaking fee, don't waste your time on it. So let, let me ask you this, Sarah Joe. Is it possible, I guess, to build a website for a couple hundred dollars? Do we need to spend a couple thousand? Do I need to spend mm-hmm. 20000 Do you have any sort of ballparks that people should be at least thinking about when they start? If you want to make $10,000 for a speech, your website needs to look like a $10,000 speech website. So that typically means spending about as much on your website that you want to make per speech. Does that answer your question? That's a brilliant way of looking at it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Makes it pretty easy. And you don't always have to spend that much to get a good website, but it's a great way to think about it. Okay. So let's say I've got, you know, Robert Ferguson uh, and, and I've got this great site that I had somebody build for me. Now what do I do with it? Yay, it's time to build. The first thing I always start with is navigation. So it doesn't matter what page of your website they're on, navigation's going to be so important. It's like the best real estate. It's your, it's everything. So with navigation, there are so many ways you can go wrong. Mm -hmm. So first, try not to get too fancy with your navigation. There are, you can be clever. I would not recommend it. Best practices include, do not include more than seven like navigation options. So that includes, you know, people learning about you. That includes your phone number. It includes the CTA. All of that needs to be under six items. What, Sarah Jo, what is CTA? Ooh, great question. So CTA is your call to action. Typically, the format I recommend is your logo on the left, then a few navigation items, and then the box or a, a highlighted area that calls people to perform some kind of action. For a speaker, you could be start the conversation, work with me, book now, learn more, start here. It's a, a next step. It's kind of the sidewalk or the, what is it, the walkway to your business. And so this makes it really clear. Do you think it's important that they have both a phone number and an email or should it be a like info at, you know, I speak or what do you normally suggest is all included there? Yeah. If you can get your email on there, that's great. It really depends on your brand and the way you want people to reach out to you. I like to make it as easy as possible at all times. So I include an email that sounds like it's going to a person. So to do info at sarahjoecrawford.com, it makes it sound like, wait, who am I going to talk to? And then a phone number is ideal if you plan on answering the phone. So here's a real important question. I know some people who are afraid of getting a bot spam or whatever. So mm-hmm. they, they put their name space at space. So it's not actually, it's not mm-hmm. clickable. Is that something you recommend or not doing? So there's, I wouldn't recommend including it and then doing a little bit of extra research to learn how to block certain email addresses. It's a little bit technical, but you can actually prevent bots from emailing you by just doing a little bit of work on your um, email client side of things. Okay. So um, now that you you have this 
platform, you're starting to build it, and you, okay, some basic principles, though some people seem to break them. Um, <laughs> so you have to scroll the way to the bottom to find out who they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if it's, let's say, the logo on the top and you can call to action, what's the rest of the page? What, what, what's on there when you say navigation? Uh, yes. Yeah, so with navigation, <clears throat> once again, try not to get too clever. Unless you are a web design agency, and even then, go for intuitive over clever always. Like if someone is confused clicking around on your website, that is the last thing you want. So keeping your navigation items super clear. For example, don't just use services like that tab, use speaking or, um, you know, consulting, something that makes it really clear what you do. And by doing that, it eliminates the need to put in, you know, the the main copy, what it is that you do, because it's very clear with your menu navigation items, what they can work with you and how they can work with you. Okay. And then from there, you ready for the homepage? Okay. Homepage, such a fun opportunity for people to get to know you and your homepage. I mean, your whole website is like a living creature. It's, it's going to change and evolve. So don't get too, don't fall in love with it for too long. Also, don't worry if it's not perfect, it will get there. But there are a few things, a few, some practices that you should follow. But first I want to hear from you. What are some websites, my friend, Robert, that like, (laughs) like turned you off the minute you got there? Oh, wow. Hmm. (laughs) You don't have to tell me the person, maybe just describe it. We don't want to like call anybody out. Well, it's cluttered. Uh, I can't, uh-huh. uh, you land and it's, and there's a lot of moving parts and you're, you know, it's like, where do I go? Um, <laughs> it's like watching it, it, it ads and multiple ads at the same time, you know, it's like oh. standing in the mall with all the different TVs and everyone's on a different station. Yes. Those are like the classic errors. So things that you mentioned that really turn people off is a lack of white space and that doesn't have to mean it's the color white, but negative space. So all the space where things aren't. <laughs> and what what I kind of always say, if everything is emphasized, nothing is emphasized. People try to come up with varying degrees of emphasis by putting like bright red over here and then underlined over here and then capitalized, you know, all caps over here. What that's doing is it's making people feel yelled at. It's not creating a natural hierarchy of visual interest. It's just like my eyeballs are bouncing everywhere. In web design, um, it's called cognitive load, but it's the amount of options a, a regular human can consider in order to make a decision. If there's too many things, they will leave. They will get stressed out. And they will leave because they don't know where to go first. So on your homepage, so important. So let me ask you this. As a speaker, uh, you know, I've got all these different topics I want to talk about. There's different groups I want to talk to. But yet, is the main thing that they've got to see me? Is it they want yes. to? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So there's two ways you should do this. I don't like to have hard and fast rules, but <laughs> these are my hard and fast rules. If you're a public speaker... And you want people to book you for public speaking. The first picture they see on your website should be a picture of you public speaking. Mm. It's just that simple. If you can get a big audience, awesome. If you can get a beautiful picture, all the better. But invest the time, invest the money, get a good photo of you doing the thing that you're trying to get people to hire you for. But don't stop there. Next. There better be a button or a play button or a watch now that gets them directly to your video. Ah, so you can have a picture of you, but then you're saying it's it's either clickable or there's something there of a video to watch you actually speaking. 
Correct. And if the video can be on the same page, if the whole page doesn't have to reload, that's ideal. Okay. I've done it a few different ways, but typically if it takes them more than two clicks to watch your beautiful face in action, you've missed a huge opportunity. They're coming to you because they want to see you speak. So make sure they can see you speaking. So those are like the two hard and fast, but kind of a third thing that people kind of miss up. And you mentioned this, like if you speak on a lot of different topics, what do you say? Like, what is the text that people see? And there's two, there's two schools of thought. There's one that's super user focused where it talks about user benefit. And then there's also the issue of how do I optimize this to get shown on Google? So good news is Google and like user preferences are kind of melding together. Google's doing a really good job. So what I recommend is to always focus on the user benefit to sitting in your audience. So like, what will they walk away knowing instead of just saying, my name's Sarah Joe and I'm a keynote speaker. Ah, so if I'm a, a funny guy and a humorist, mm-hmm. you'll walk away uh, pumped up and, and laughter, laughing and peeing your pants or something like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great way. One of my clients, she speaks on innovation. So it'd be really easy for her just to say innovation speaker, extraordinaire, award-winning, all these awards that don't make any sense, or maybe they were made up. Instead, she just says, future-proof your business. So it's what they're going to get. What do you think of that? Some people like to say, you know, I've been on MSNBC, CNN, and Fox. <laughs> and I mean, I'm like, yeah, okay, so you were on TV. Do you think that actually helps? It does, but it has its place. And typically it doesn't need to be right at the top of your website. That's kind of a credibility booster. And if it's drawing attention away from your, your top priorities, just scooch it down on the page. They're kind of, there's kind of a a typical journey. Someone goes on to get to know you. If they're looking for that stuff, they'll be able to find it and they should be able to find it, but it doesn't need to be the first thing you do is hit them over the head with like a billion different logos. Uh, I've seen a suit, like a few people do them in like black and white. So they kind of fade into the background, but if it's taking away from watching the video or booking you to speak or, you know, moving forward, maybe just scooch them down a little bit. So, So maybe I need to ask the question and maybe this goes back to navigation, but there's sort of, I guess, two schools of thought. Should you have a long website with lot on your homepage and lots of stuff, mm-hmm. or is it short and you need to have them go to other land, other pages to get more? There's kind of the yin and yang of how much you put on the homepage. <laughs> what, what do you recommend? Like the the common, if you could just sub sum up web design, it would be, it's all about a balance because it is. And it comes from knowing your audience. So I typically like to take my audience on a journey. So when they land on my page and they scroll down, I like to take them from what would start start with, I have no idea who you are. I just found your website. They should have the options to kind of jump around. So kind of that choose your own adventure stuff. That's what the navigation's for. So if they land on your website and they want to learn more about you, they should be able to click that in the navigation really quickly. They want to learn more about your speaking. So there's that choose your own adventure stuff. But on your homepage, it can actually be pretty long. Hmm. There's really no reason as long, like no reason to limit yourself as long as every section's providing value that makes sense step by step. So examples of how I typically set mine up, it's you know, above the fold, if you will. Don't worry too much about getting everything above the fold. People really worry about that. This isn't newspaper times. Um, getting your video, all everything on top, and then digging into really quick, like who you are and what people get from you. Touch on your speaking topics, but also including a link to 
an elaboration of your speaking topics. You can have a testimonial or two, some of the most important ones. Don't hit them over the head with a billion long testimonials. They can click to look at more testimonials. Maybe you've written a book. So these sections add on themselves to build credibility without hitting them over the head all at once or sending them other places because every time they have to click to a different page and a different page has to load, that's a friction point and it can keep them from staying on your website as long. What do you think of these? And I may not use the right term. There's pop-ups and banner bars and it's like, you know, I have a book, uh, click here to get my email, click here to download whatever. (laughs) After a while, it's like there's boom, 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 boom. It's all over the place. What's the balance of pop-ups or banner bars or top and bottom. (laughs) If they exist on your website, they better be offering something super awesome. Otherwise they need to be less obvious. So if you have a screen takeover where they can't click anything or there's the screen kind of grays out until you make a decision that is creating a huge friction point and you basically just interrupted somebody while they were shopping. You better be ready to be like, hey, I'm interrupting you because I want to give you something super awesome. If someone interrupts you shopping and they're just like, hey, my name's whatever, will you give me something of yours? That's It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a poor practice, but it's kind of turned into this standard way of approaching things. And you know what, you know what's super good about that is now you can stand out mm-hmm. by either not using them as much or only using them in really, really productive ways. You think about it as making a new friend. Don't ask for something until you've given something. So in a previous podcast, you and I talked about from a speaker marketing standpoint mm-hmm. that if you're doing the right things to connect with meeting planners on LinkedIn and you're you're connecting with folks now when they check out your website. So let's say we've got a meeting planner. They've landed on your website what are you thinking, I guess, to walk them through? What's the steps? Is it they're going to call you? Do you want them to watch you? Mm-hmm. What do you see as sort of the, is there a process that you walk through? Of, you know, they're probably going to go through A, B, and C. Sure. So there's two things you can do. First, if you have a little bit, <clears throat> I don't want to say time because nobody has any of that, but I would recommend if you're maybe using LinkedIn to connect with event planners, make the link to your website a specific landing page on your website. So don't just put sarahjocrawford.com, put sarahjocrawford.com slash speaks. So when event planners are cruising your LinkedIn profile and they go to learn more about you, they get their own landing page. So it'd be a little bit of a different value proposition. Now, would that landing page be part of the website that you, you scroll there? Or it's just a landing page that, that gets them there that then takes them to the rest of the site? So it would be kind of a separate homepage. Hmm, okay. And you could be way more specific on that separate homepage. So on your, your general homepage, you're kind of trying to catch both your audience and event planners. But for this one, you can really give all the stuff that event planners are interested in. So your client logos, all the things that they need to use to make themselves look awesome, right? So if they hire an awesome speaker, they look great. So you can kind of tailor the content. But then the next thing is making sure that when they take a journey. So when they've watched your video, so say they land on your homepage, this event planner lands on your homepage. When they watch your video, a next step pops up. Uh So at the end of the video, a button says, you know, learn more about my speaking topics or watch more videos, something to take them from step to step to step. You never want them to hit the end. There shouldn't be a maze. There shouldn't be a dead end at any point. There should always be another place to go with the end always being they reach out to you, you get in contact with them and making that portion really easy. On that note, I struggle with the use of contact forms Mm -hmm. because they can be so like 
disingenuous and you don't really know who you're reaching out to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't know if someone's getting it. You don't know if you're going to get a, a call back. I've avoided, I mean, I've not reached out to people before because I was like, I don't think this contact form is going, I mean, I've had people fill out contact forms on my website and then they're genuinely surprised when I respond. <laughs> yeah. Like that makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. So keeping an email address and people don't like that because then they don't feel like they have control over it. Mm-hmm. There's lots of ways you can do that. You can come up with a separate one, like Sarah Joe at sparkworth.com versus Sarah at sparkworth.com. You can get creative, okay. but make it so easy for people to get in touch with you. There, there should be no confusion on if they're getting in touch with you. Okay. Well, Sarah Joe, as we start to wrap up our time here, uh, there's something, two more things I think we should probably reference. One is most people are probably not using a laptop when they look at this. Mm. And then what's also our next step? This is great. Okay. So as a rule, more than 50% of your website visitors will be visiting from a phone or a lap or a small laptop because laptops and tablets are kind of <laughs> crossing over in size. Yeah. So smaller screens, but also big screens. So you're in this place where you're like, well, which do I optimize for? Your audience may be exclusively desktops. That's something I've run into. Event planners do a lot of their research on their computer. Interesting. But But then if they're on the road and they check it out on their phone, it should look great there too. So as this whole process of, you know, the whole, all the design elements we've just talked about, Mm -hmm. they also need to look good on mobile. So there's clearly a lot to think about. (laughs) And so that's just part of the original design is that it's mobile optimized. Yes. And if you work with any developer, they should already have this in their pocket. Any of the drag and drop builders, they, they are mobile responsive. However, still look at it on your phone and make sure that it still makes sense. Make sure that the text isn't too big or buttons aren't too small. I always like to do the fat thumb kind of challenge when I I build the website, I open it up on my phone and I just assume I've got a humongous thumb. (laughs) Can I hit the buttons? I like that. That's me. <laughs> well, because, you know, they all varying size of thumbs. And if your button's too small and they end up clicking something else, uh, make sure things that seem like they should be tappable mm. are tappable. Okay. So it's, it's, it's kind of all the nuanced behavior there. So as a next step, just thinking about our, uh, you know, somebody, most of the people who are listening probably have a website mm-hmm. and they're thinking, do I refresh this or what? What do you say as a next step? How do they test whether their website is needing a refresh? Yeah. First of all, don't freak out and go relaunch your website. It's okay. There can be steps. <laughs> um, find somebody who maybe hasn't interacted with your website before. Um, they don't need to be completely outside of the speaking industry, but somebody who hasn't spent a ton of time that you trust, have them interact with your website for maybe 60 seconds and see what they took away from it. See if they got stuck somewhere, see, you know, ask them, what do you think that I do? And if they can't tell you after that 60 seconds, if they can't, if you know, that, that quick amount of glancing doesn't tell them, then you're missing something and start to revisit it and refine it from there. Okay. And I suppose the other one to look at is if you haven't refreshed your website in what period of time, it may be time. Is that a year, two years, <laughs> five years, somebody's 10 years out? What, what would you say is the need? You should be updating your website once a month. Think of it like your home. If you own a home, you do not leave it unattended for more than a month, right? Like you're not going to completely ignore the needs of it because it evolves with you and it gets old and it needs maintenance. So I would say at least once a month. (laughs) And if you don't maintain your website and add new content or refresh it in two years, people are going to get on there and they're going to see the video you posted was from 2016. And that instantly makes them wonder, well, what are they doing now? Mm. 
So if it's not, if you haven't revisited in two years, you may need to just do a, a pretty substantial update. Okay. Well, Sergio, you've added a lot of value here, and I appreciate sharing out of your expertise and looking forward to seeing this uh, course you're putting together. But let's, uh, I think maybe we should go off and hear from someone else, another expert, and get their thoughts. What do you think? Yes, let's do it. Our guest today is Grant Baldwin, a seasoned speaker who has inspired more than 400,000 people at over 500 events across the country. He's also the host of the Speaker Lab podcast that helps other speakers start, build, and grow their business. Today, he's going to share out of his expertise on website design. Welcome, Grant. Thanks for letting me hang out with you, Robert. Hey, I appreciate it. So let's start with, I think, the, the, the number one thing I'm always thinking about is from your experience, what do you think is the number one mistake that speakers make when building their websites? Yeah, I think there's a couple different things that speakers can really uh, make a mistake with. One is is not having a demo video. So oftentimes, especially if you want to get paid to speak, uh, clients and potential clients, they want to see you actually speaking. And so a demo video is really, really important. And so if they have to like browse around or they don't know where to find it, or it's just not like top above the fold, easily, easily accessible, uh, and easily, uh, findable, then it's, it's more likely that people are going to just skip and move on. Another thing that I see that a lot of speakers do is that it's not real clear what it is that they do from their site. So you want to think of your website, almost like a billboard on the, on the interstate. So if you're driving by people just have like a, a split second to kind of look at it, figure out what it is that you do, uh, based on a, on a headline, based on pictures. And if they're not real clear on that, oftentimes they're going to leave your page and go somewhere else. So you want to make sure it's abundantly clear on what it is that you do. And you can do that again, in two primary ways. One is having uh, pictures in there. And this is where I think you can definitely use like, um, uh, ideally speaking pictures that shows you, uh, shows you actually doing the thing that you do. So you don't want to have like, you know, if you have like just some type of generic picture of, uh, some glamor shot of you with your arms folded, leaning against the brick wall, like that's nice, but it doesn't tell me anything about what you do. So pictures that communicate that you're a speaker, I think are more powerful also provide some social proof. The other thing to include there is having some type of headline, uh, that just demonstrates again, that, that, you know, what you're talking talking about. And this is, this is the problem that you solve. This is who you speak to. Uh, something there that people aren't having to read like paragraph and paragraph and paragraph to really figure out what it is that you even do. So you want to make it really, really simple for people to understand that again, within the first couple of seconds of them coming to your site. Perfect. Well, here, here's an important uh, question, Grant. And I find many speakers will say, you know, I have different audiences. Maybe they, they talk to some executives, but they have a different speech. They talk to students at universities right. you, and when they have so many different things they want to talk about and they can't show it all on their website well, what do you suggest they do in that situation? Well, uh, what I would suggest is taking a step back and not trying to speak to all those audiences. So the one of the things that we teach our students is try to be the steakhouse and not the buffet, meaning that uh, if you wanted a good steak, you could go to a buffet and steak is going to be one thing that they're going to be offering among 97 different things. Um, But if you said, hey, I really want a good steak, then you're going to go to the steakhouse. Like that is what we do. That's the only thing that we do. And so if someone comes to your website and you say, well, I'm a speaker, and I speak on this topic and that topic and to this audience and that audience and all those different things, then all of a sudden people feel like, eh, you're probably not that good at any one of them. So you really want to be positioned as the steakhouse and, and not trying to communicate to a whole bunch of different audiences. So we, we always come back to that, that foundational piece of getting really, really clear on who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve and not trying to be all things to all people. Uh, perfect. I appreciate that. Uh, Grant, we have, I think, a variety of listeners here from well-experienced professional speakers to those who are just starting out. If you've got a new speaker, at what point should they start working on their website, do you think? 
yesterday, immediately, as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, in this day and age, like your, your website is, is your business card. And so if you don't have a website, like you, people, people don't take you seriously. You don't, you don't exist. And so you want to have that website as, as soon as possible. Now, the thing that oftentimes holds people up whenever it comes to a website is they think it has to be flawless and it has to be perfect. And yes, it's true that, that you, you don't get a second chance to make a good uh, first impression. And so you want to make sure it's good. You want to make sure it's quality and, and do it with excellence. But also remember, this isn't the only site you're ever going to have. Meaning that uh, I've, I've been a professional speaker for over a decade now. I've had probably five or six different iterations of websites. And so each time you, I, I make a website with, with what the, the knowledge and resources and tools that I have at that moment. But I also know like in another two years, I may update the website or I may completely rehaul and, and redo the website. And so uh, it's really, really important though to have a website. Because uh, I mean, again, just put yourself in the position of the client. If you talked with a potential client, and uh, they said, "Hey, you have a good conversation with them." And they said, "Hey, we'd you know we'd love to check out your site, or uh, I'd love to share your information with our committee. What's your site?" And you're like, "Oh, well, you know, I, I don't have one, or I'm working on one. It's just kind of hard to take you seriously." <laughs> so uh, you, you want to have that website up as soon as, as possible. Okay, so if they're building a website, and and what would you say? You've talked already about having a speaker demo. They may not have that yet. Um, some key pictures, even if they don't have that yet. What needs to be on their website? Yeah, a couple different things. So one would definitely be the demo video. One is going to be the, the speaking pictures. Again, that's going to give some social proof and credibility to what it is that you do. Uh, another one is, is we like to think of it as a, a having a speaking menu. And so uh, if you if if you talk to a potential potential client and they ask you what is it that you speak about and you say what do you want me to speak about, uh, that's the wrong answer. Uh, <laughs> so you want to be really clear about what it is that you speak on. So uh, again, a way to think about this is is like going to a restaurant. So all, all my analogies are, are built around food, I guess. So if you were to go to a, uh, if you were to go to lunch and sit down, and the waiter walked up and and said, "Hey, what would you like to eat?" and you said, "Well, I, you know, I'd love to see a menu," and if they said, "Well, we don't have menus here. We can cook anything you want." Like you would assume like this place is not good in the same way that as a speaker, if you don't have uh, anything on your website and say, you know, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak on those things. You, you don't want to operate like that. The, the best speakers in the world, they don't have like 19 different talks that they offer. For. They really have like one, two, three core talks that they do. And that's it. And so you want to list those on your site uh, with just a quick couple sentences, description of what it is, maybe a couple of bullet points on some of the takeaways, uh, some of the main ideas that an audience is going to have. It's also good to include in there maybe some context of how this might work. You know, this works really well as a keynote or this works well as a, a small group workshop. This works really well as a, um, a all day seminar or this works really well in this type of conference or this type of setting or this type of training or this type of whatever it may be. So people can start to figure out where does this fit? And so having those the, that speaking menu there is really good. Uh, another thing to have is just your bio. Um, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so you want to show some of the professional side of some of your accomplishments or experience or any of that stuff, but also just showing I, for me personally, and not everybody's like this, but I like to show the personal side. You know, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We have three daughters. Uh, so I talk about them um, because I know that, um, yes, they're hiring Grant the speaker, but they're also just hiring Grant the human. And so they want to be proud of the person that they are putting up on stage there. So I always like to show that side. And then uh, it seems silly, but uh, you want to make sure you have your contact information. So if, if someone wants to hire you and they're interested in more information, uh, I recommend both email and phone call. So most people are going to send an email, but um, some people may just want to pick up the phone and call you. And so you want to make that uh, an option for people to, uh, if they want to know how to book you, or at least just take some type of next step, uh, what, what action they need to take or how to get a hold of you. Uh, smart advice. Grant, what's your opinion about the call to action buttons? Do you like those? Yeah. I mean, I think they're, they're definitely good. I, I think what, I think the, the wording that you can use on those, um, 
is is the bigger question. So uh, what some people will put on there is, you know, click here to book me. Well, some people are like, I, I don't know that I want to book. It. I just want to have a conversation, you know? So a, a simpler thing, kind of a softer approach is to, you know, click here to start the conversation or click here to check uh, availability or something like that, that, that you're not making a commitment. So I know from my end as a speaker, um, I, I just want them to reach out to me. I just want them to let, let me know that I'm, you know, that they're on the website and they're interested, they're intrigued. They'd like to start the conversation. So it's kind of like, you know, if you put the call to action of, you know, click here to marry me. No, no, no. Just click here to start the conversation. <laughs> like, let's just start to get to know each other and figure out if this is a good fit long before we're asking for some type of big commitment. So I just uh, think through the, the language that you use on some type of, of call to action button on your site. Okay. So a lot of speakers, it's, it's, what do they call themselves? They have their name. Do you, what's your opinion on domain names? Yeah, I, um, you know, as a speaker, one of the unique things about it is you are the product, you are the brand. And so, um, I actually had to purchase grantbaldwin.com from another guy named Grant Baldwin. Um, and I've actually purchased the domain names for my wife and all three of my daughters. And, uh, I'm just squatting on those till I can sell them back to them at an exorbitant rate someday. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, you know, as a, as the product, I think it's important ideally to have your name as the domain. Now this also presents some challenges of, let's say you have a really, really, really common name, you know? So I just, I talked to a speaker friend uh, just recently, uh, whose name is Pete Smith. Well, PeteSmith.com is not available and there's no way it's going to be available unless you're going to pay an arm and a leg. So in his case, he just had to pick um, the name of his company, which was Smith Impact. Um, but he could also go with, you know, Pete Smith Speaker or look for like a, a .co or a .org or a .net or something else. And so... Um, ideally having the .com is preferred for your name. Uh, the other thing that you may get into is let's say you have a, a, a unique name that has kind of a, a weird spelling or a confusing spelling. Mm -hmm. um, that's not uncommon at all. And so again, you may want to use a, um, uh, a different version of that. So uh, another speaker friend of mine, um, his last name is McCallowitz. And I, I can't even tell you how to spell that. Um, but so what he has is, uh, his name is Mike McCallowitz. And so his website, it is MikeMcCallowitz.com. But the one that he gives out to people is MikeMotorbike.com. Well, Mike Motorbike has nothing to do with what he talks about, but it's easier to remember. And if someone's yeah. going to type that into uh, a browser, they're going to be a lot more likely to remember that and know how to spell MikeMotorbike.com than MikeMcCallowitz.com. So uh, yeah, a domain is important, uh, the domain name, but at some point you just you pick something and go with it. Great advice. Thanks, Grant. As, as we wrap up here, any, um, any suggestions on techniques for, uh, for search engines? Yeah, so I'm not, um, I'm certainly not a search engine optimization expert or SEO. Um, there's a great resource, um, backlinko.com, backlinko.com was run by a friend of mine, Brian Dean. He's extremely smart when it comes to all things SEO. So if you want to go down that rabbit trail, that's definitely the place to go. But what I would say from just a high level is it's definitely worth thinking through and paying attention for your website. So the way a lot of times people find speakers is uh, maybe they're in charge of some type of conference or event, or maybe their boss just assigned them to be on a committee or assign them to find a speaker for some upcoming training. And they've never found a speaker. They don't know what they're looking for. So what are they going to do? They're going to go into Google and they're going to put in a couple of keywords. Um, so let's say you are a, you know, they made search for something like motivational speaker or something like, um, you know, sales speaker or leadership speaker. And so ideally you want to rank as high as possible. Now, when you have some of those like big broad terms and search keywords like motivational speaker or leadership speaker mm -hmm. or sales speaker, those are going to be very, very competitive and much more difficult to rank for. But right. what you may be able to do is may have a better chance of ranking for something uh, like a long tail version of that. So um, I, for example, I am located in Nashville, Tennessee. So one of the keywords I might try to rank for would be, let's say, leadership speaker in 
Tennessee or leadership speaker in Nashville or something like that, that's going to be less competitive. And if someone's searching for a leadership speaker in Nashville and they find me and I'm a leadership speaker in Nashville, there's a lot more likelihood that they're going to be interested in, in having a conversation with me. So uh, you definitely want to think through what what some of those keywords are. And it's, just, it's also just a good marketing exercise to put yourself in the position of a potential client and ask yourself, if someone were searching for a speaker like me, what would they be searching for? What are the keywords? What would, if someone, someone was looking for a speaker like me, what would they type into Google that I should be at the top of the results? So uh, definitely a good exercise to, to think through. Wonderful. Great advice. And Grant, I really appreciate your time and what you shared today. If uh, people want to learn more about what you offer, where would they find it? Yeah, everything that we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We have a, a podcast over there and several different free trainings and uh, free uh, courses. So we uh, also, if you have a, if you want more information on how to find and book speaking engagements, we do a free training over at freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. So I'd encourage people to check that out. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Grant. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, Robert. That's some great advice and potential resources to help any professional speaker. Join us on our next K5 podcast, where we'll be talking about audience engagement. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number five podcast.com. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com. Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.